Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you, God? All right, how does your faith affect the way that you're kind? Join us each week as we dig into God's Word with a guest. And at Revitalized Kindness, we believe that through Christ, we are a new creation, revitalized. And as we follow Him, we can revitalize kindness in our own culture. God is love. Welcome to Revitalized Kindness Podcast. My name is Dave Weaver. And I'm Yvette Walker. And on this episode of the podcast, we are talking about being hurt by the church. And we have our very special guest and we're honored to have scott disler i'm saying that correct i hope and he yes, you is are. a good and he's a pastor and we welcome him he is out in the state of remind me again we were just talking about it michigan right absolutely and so we were talking about how to identify where you are in michigan by holding up your hand that's something i never knew so that's interesting information I'm in youth ministry, so another thing I've noticed about you, and I was going to ask, was, you know, you were a youth pastor at, at, at well, I only knew about one location, might have been more than one at Community Church yep. in Ohio, and I wanted to ask you, too, like, I noticed that a lot of, I don't know if this is just a, a normal segue into in ministry, is is youth pastors sort of, is that sort of like the beginnings for a lot of uh associate or not associate but senior pastors it, it tends to be it's amazing like myself the number of people that started youth ministry and then end up as a senior pastor as well and uh, for me my heart was always to be a senior pastor but mm-hmm. uh, my last two years in bible college uh, i was asked to be the summer intern youth pastor at that church near dayton ohio i did that they offered me a full-time job right out of college and so I guess if you want to be honest and say, why did, I, why did I go into youth ministry? I was offered a full-time job <laughs> right out of college. But when I went into youth ministry, even though I knew that ultimately my calling was to be a senior pastor, I made a commitment when I went into youth ministry, and that was this, that the students that were in seventh grade when I arrived, I would be their youth pastor when they graduate. They would have the same youth pastor all the way through. And so I ended up spending about nine years in youth ministry, loved every part of it except campouts. Other than that, I really enjoyed youth ministry. <laughs> I'm with now, you, you there. When you say campouts, are you talking about like in the middle of the woods or just? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, the, the day after I got out of youth ministry, literally, I sold my tent the day after. <laughs> What, Scott, no glamping? <laughs> right. Oh, well. <laughs> That's what we do nowadays, right? Exactly. A lot of glamping. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, now, look, you know, a lot of times we want it, to, it's interesting to hear a person's call or, you know, a pastor's call to the ministry. Um, do you mind sharing 
how you felt like you were called to oh, the ministry? No, I'd, I'd love to. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I found Christ very early in my life at a good news club taught by my aunt. I went with her every single Tuesday afternoon to this good news club. I primarily went for the punch and cookies, but I went. And uh, I heard her tell the gospel every single week, but one week it dawned on me. I knew the story of Jesus, but I had not made a personal commitment to Jesus. Mm. And that's when I gave my life to Christ. Um, all through my childhood, I felt um, a desire to be a pastor. My grandpa uh, was a pastor and, um, and he was one of my heroes. And that grew and grew and grew. And, and my junior year of high school, the pastor of the church we attended asked me to preach on Easter Sunday at the sunrise service. I'd like to say it's because he saw something in me, but it may have been because I was dating his daughter at the time. But nonetheless, he asked me to preach. And on that Sunday, I saw people give their lives to Jesus. Mm. And from that moment on, there's nothing else I wanted to do. To wow. this day, all those years later, there's nothing else I want to do than to serve the Lord through the local church. That, that's my calling. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's and that God, God put that all together. Like you said, it may not have been him seeing something in you. It could have been something else, but God used whatever it was and put you in that place so you could feel that and see that. And, and it really, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it happens. How, how old were you at that time? Well, I was a junior in high school at that time. So I was probably about 16, 17 years old. And, that's awesome. uh, and that that's when I preached my first sermon. That's oh, awesome. wow. Yeah, that's that's young. And to never have, you know, so you said you never had done that before, like been in front, preaching, teaching. No, not in a, a formal setting like that. Yeah, not at right. all. I had done as a teenager, Bible studies for other teenagers, things like that. Mm. But as far as preaching in a church, uh, that that was my very first time doing that. Wow, that's awesome. Um, you know, I noticed too, like just one more thing about what I was looking, you know, in terms of looking at some of your history or the current history, rather, uh, your church now. I, I looked at your website and I had one question. So the name of your church is E Free, E Free, like E and then dash F R E E. What what does that mean? I'm, I've seen that other places too. It's short for Evangelical Free. Uh, okay. We're part of what's called the EFCA, which is the Evangelical Free Churches of America. Okay. Evangelical kind of stands for what we believe. Free means every church is autonomous. We, we make our own decisions. So okay. it, the, the official title of the church is the Evangelical Free Church, but that's a mouthful. We shortened it to E-Free. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, they, they're always like, does that mean you don't take an offering? What does that mean? You know, and so <laughs> uh, it's it just E-free is short for evangelical free. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought I was thinking that, you know, depending on where your mind's at when you read it, we have different meanings for free. Like, like you said, free something, get you get something free yeah. uh, or it's sugar free. It's without something. So I was... <laughs> Yeah. Or some people just look at the E now because E usually stands for maybe it's only online. So does yeah, that mean like you don't read, yeah. you're just online? So we get all kinds of, we probably should change the name of our church, but oh, well. <laughs> all right. Yeah. See, I've heard that before or the, I've heard of that church. So now 
is it all over? Is it just in the in the states or no? It, it it's it's across the world, pre- okay. predominantly here in the states, and uh, but it, but it's across the world. And this is the first e free church I've ever been part of, so I'm really still learning about the group itself. And I noticed on your website that y'all just you guys have many 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 opportunities to build up each other in Christ. Um, that's one thing that I just was outstanding to me. I, I, I would go through some of the, I forget the titles, but I would go and there was like classes that you can be a part of and, and yeah. everything is free. Um, mm-hmm. no pun intended, but like you go in there, you can just click on it. I don't go to your church. I'm not part of it, but I can, I can be, um, studying with you guys. Uh, I noticed that you do a, like a daily check-in, yeah, that actually started during the shutdown where we wanted okay. to stay connected with our people. So I started doing a, a live morning check-in on Facebook every morning and it, it just became so popular that we never ended it. So we still do it every Monday through Friday. We do that. And it's just been a great way, just four, four minutes long, just a way to keep connected and have everyone start their day with a truth from scripture and a prayer. I love it. We need that. We need that. We need to stay plugged in every day. Um, and I've actually checked out some of those. I was listening to one on the way to somewhere the other day, um, and I was just checking those out. So so a lot of times when we think about church, there's, again, we're, we're looking at being hurt by the church. And, and obviously, through your ministry, you guys are doing so many wonderful things. Sometimes it's easy for people, when they're hurt, to forget all of that. Right, they're for, they're, they want to forget about all the good that we're doing, all the edifying that we're doing, where we're trying to love on people and things of that nature. It t- sometimes it takes one instant for somebody to be hurt to just completely turn away because they're offended or whatever. It, it, it goes. There was one article that I read, and I and I look at a lot of got questions articles. So here's another got questions excerpt. Uh, um, entitled, uh, don't blame, well, no, no, that's not the title. Um, hurt by the church simply is the title of the article. And part of it says this, and I quote, the pain caused by a church is a, and they got in quotation, silent killer. This doesn't mean that the word and events that burned and hurt your heart are not very ugly in public. It is a silent killer because of what it does deep in the fabric of the mind, heart, and soul of the wounded. It, it uh, if not dealt with, it will destroy future happiness, joy, and well-being. The collateral damage negatively affects the ministry and outreach of the church, too, and some churches never recover. So that was, I never really heard it called the, the silent killer, I, So, but I do get that. I've actually known people personally that have uh, been slighted or whatever word we want to use by the church. And they've just completely turned their back and have not been back to church. And they're not from what I can tell um, by Facebook and things like that, social media, that they're, they're not engaged whatsoever with their faith anymore. So it just completely destroyed it for them. Um, What do you think about that definition? Does that sort of line up or is there at, do you have experience with some of your congregation? Has somebody come to you and say, Hey, this has hurt me. I'm sorry. I have to leave. Um, 
What's what's some uh, things that you've heard in that realm, Scott? Yeah, and, and I think it's it's a very um, that that's a good way to call a silent killer for just that reason because most people who leave the church because they got hurt, um, as you said, often end up disengaging from their faith completely, and uh, so that's what makes it a silent killer. Now, the thing about it is that I've discovered is. That in so many cases, as I look back over 35 years of being a pastor, and I, I've seen many people who have said we're leaving the church because this hurt us or that hurt us or whatever. And the thing that always strikes me is very rarely is it because of a theological difference. Usually it's more personality driven. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so this personality offended my personality. And as a result... I'm leaving the church. And, and I've been amazed at, at reasons sometimes people give for leaving the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember one time preaching, I made a joke about cats and I had someone leave my church because they're a cat lover and I made a joke about cats. And so mm-hmm. it can be all kinds of things. But I think the key thing you hit on is important. It's not like they, they leave the church and stay engaged. They leave the church and they're not engaged. And there's a mm. difference to me. I'll have people who will leave the church and go to another church. Right. And, and I never want to see people leave my church, but if they land in another Bible teaching church, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's the people who leave, but don't land anywhere. Those are the people that concern me because nine times out of 10, if you're not part of that local body, you're going to disengage from your faith. Mm. That's, That's right. really interesting, Scott, because I, you know, I found the same thing. First of all, my pastor is a little bit of a jokester, a little self-deprecating. And so he will make comments from the stage and he will say, okay, don't send me any emails on that. I know there's somebody <laughs> out there who's going to send me an email. But, you know, early on uh, on my podcast, I, I talked to someone who basically just what you said, who had a personality conflict, someone didn't like her husband, um, in this case, it was a race and ethnicity thing mm-hmm. and, um, felt they felt like they were being dissed, you know, mm-hmm. she believed that she could leave that church, not engage with another body, as you said, and still believe and still have that relationship with God. But it worries me, like you said, that when they don't land with another body, are they going to disengage? And so, exactly. yeah, I, I see that as well. Yeah, and, and I think too, you know, you, Scott, you mentioned that it, if we feel better about if the, if the person will go to a, another church, mm-hmm. but one thing that I'll, I'll, I'll warn uh, everybody, myself included, is that we want to make sure we don't get into the habit of just hopping from yeah. church to church. Because it is, it's being in the in the body or being belonging to the body of Christ and being belonging in a fellowship of believers, and and developing relationships there. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, we got to develop that relationship with our God and Father, Jesus and Jesus Christ. And so, but we also need a that that relationship with other believers, um, so that they they know our 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 growth. They understand, you know, so they can help you know, sharpen us, uh, disciple us, um, care for us, love us. Uh, we can serve together, you know, all those types of things. So, 
I, you know, I've known people that will go from church to church because they, they find that one little finite thing or a little miniature thing that's like, ah, it's not the church for me because of this. But like a lot of people say, there's no perfect church because I mean, Christ church is perfect. Right. In the sense of it's belongs to Christ people <laughs> in the church or we we are the church, but so we're flesh. And so, and we're sinful and we're, yeah. we, we fail. So that makes it imperfect in that sense. Right. And, and every church has that. And, and it, I, I always kind of chuckle a bit when people say to me, you don't realize there's problems in your church. And I'm like, I could tell you the problems in my church. Let me tell you, because no one knows the problems in their church more than the pastor. We see the underbelly. We see, we see the, the, the negatives. But at the same time, the bottom line is this. You need the church and the church needs you because God never created us to do this walk of faith as an individual alone. Mm. Look at all the one another's in the Bible. Uh, there's multiple love one another, encourage one another, carry one another's burdens. It's all about one another. Acts mm -hmm. chapter two, when the church first started, you saw day by day, they're meeting together, not Sunday by Sunday, day by day. And so I know my wife and I, when we went through one of the greatest hurts of our life, which was at the hands of the church, every day we prayed this prayer every day. We say, God, when this is over, whatever it looks like, our prayer is we'll be more in love with each other than we are now, more in love with you than we are now, and more in love with the local church than we are now. Because we've seen people walk away from all three when they go through church hurt. Right. And by the grace of God, he answered that prayer. And I can say years later, I'm more in love with my wife, more in love with Jesus, and more in love with the local church than I've ever been. Praise God. You know, there's one other thing in that article, really, really short, that it mentioned, and it says this, quote, don't blame God for how his children behave. <laughs> I love that quote, because that's often what happens, in a sense, we get hurt, and, and sort of, we turn our back on God and everything else because of what one person does, so I love that little quote there, don't blame God for how his children behave, really good. Um, there's also, you know, well, let's see. There's one other one. Hold on. Bear with me. Now that's going to be later. So to look, let's look at this now. I'm thinking about, okay, so we know certain things can hurt people. We know that there's a certain reaction and often that can end badly um, in terms of unplugging from faith and uh, the church and, and all of that. So, and we talked about some of these already. I think you just hit uh, a bunch of these, Scott. Our, our response to hurt. What should our response be to hurt? You know, when we encounter that, you know, um, and the scripture says a lot about it. Me, me and a vet, and I'm sure you've talked about it from the pulpit. If you want answers, go to God's word. That's right. It gives you everything that you need, literally. Um, so we need to stay prayed up for one and, and in the scripture. I think that's so important. That's part of that relationship. That's part of our growth. We've, we've got to stay in tune with God and by prayer. And we need to go and dig into scripture. And a lot of people, you know, we were read in our last episode. As a matter of fact, we, we mentioned a stat. I don't know. I think it's fairly current, but they said, and this was from the Barna group. Uh, they said that 1% of our youth have a biblical worldview. That's low. Yeah. 1%. Uh, 
Um, and it's scary because I think about what does it look like in 10, 20, 30 years from now in our country? We know what it looks like right now, but what does it look like when we have, if nothing changes there and these folks are running the world businesses and such and such with no, no biblical worldview, just a, just frightening in, in many ways. Uh, God's word tells us to love uh, another, right? So we talked about another's. Um, Bible also says we're to be slow to anger, right? And that's sometimes tough. We, we're quick to be offended, and we live in an age where that is sort of an American pastime. What can I be offended about today? And social media and things like that really, and, and media period, I think, really make that easy um, as a platform for being offended. A um, couple more things. Ecclesiastes, I read that. Well, I didn't read the whole thing, but one Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21, it kind of starts with, do not take heart to what people say. And sometimes that's that could be our problem because we, we take it personally. And, right. and, and sometimes it may not even be meant the way that it's perceived. Um, unfortunately that's, it's like that old game that we used to play where you whisper in somebody's ear, you've got a big group of people, you whisper something in somebody's ear and by the gets, by the time it gets to the last person, it's just all misconstrued. Yeah. And so sometimes that's what happens. Yeah. Dave, I see that. I see sometimes we tell ourselves a story. So somebody Mm -hmm. says something, we tell ourselves a story. Well, here's what they meant. And it's not what they meant at all, but once we tell ourselves the story, it becomes reality in our mind. So our response is based on what the story is we've told ourselves, which may not even be anywhere near what they innocently meant by their contact. That's, that's, that's good. I love and scripture also tells us what to do. So what, what do we do when we are offended in Matthew? I think like Matthew 18, uh, there may be more than one place you mm-hmm. can correct correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Matthew 18, that's the key one, one, verse 15, your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And then it goes on. If you listen, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother, but if he does not listen, take one or two others, there's another other along with you, uh, uh, that every change may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So it kind of lays out a blueprint of like, how are we supposed to, this is a lot of, you know, of course, this is the, uh, sort of the backbone or the blueprint to church discipline in many churches anyways, of, of how that works. Um, a lot of times that's laid out. If people have bylaws, that's a lot of times that, that could be, I guess, part of that. Any, any other responses that either one of you can think about in terms of like how we're hurt, what Bible might say, what our attitude should be. I think one of the big things that came to my mind, especially I thought about my hurt was the need to really understand what biblical forgiveness is. Mm. Yes, we're going to be hurt. We're called to forgive when we're hurt. And I think we have a warped view of that because we all grew up in America learning a bad definition. We all learned the same thing. You forgive and you forget. Well, number one, you can't find that in the Bible. Number two, I'm not even sure it's really possible. And if we believe that forgiveness is I have to forget what you did, then we're not going to ever forgive. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, keep no record of wrongs. I think that's the definition of forgive. In other words, I don't keep a mental record of what you've done wrong 
in order to use it against you. That temptation is going to come up. There's going to be times I remember, and I'm going to be tempted to use it against you. But if I forgive you, I'm going to choose not to use it against you. That's what biblical forgiveness is. It's not necessarily forgetting. It's not using it against the person, even when you remember. That's really good, Scott. You know, someone recently told me to pray over myself and pray over the person I was in conflict with. Um, I like that idea because praying over myself, I'm, I'm flawed, I'm human, so I need God's help, as well as the person in, that we're in conflict with needs God, God's help. And so pray, and she, she uh, it's my friend of mine, she gave me some scripture suggestions to pray over that person. I think that's a great idea and a good example of, you know, of not just taking it all yourself, not take, not eating that, because here's the thing, a lot of, a lot of Christians, when we do have conflict, that, that is, we feel guilty about that. It eats us up inside. We know we, we know we, perhaps we weren't acting in a Christian manner, or we know we should not do this, but instead of doing something about it, we just eat that guilt. This way allows us to, as you said, Dave, in biblical forgiveness, for try and try to understand, if not forgive, you know, forgive that person, pray over that person, and pray over ourselves. I'll read one more. I, I read this response also uh, about um, what to do when you're hurt by the church, and this is the way they framed it. Uh, this was an article from John Piper. Uh, he made several points, and one of the points kind of gave me chill bumps. I, I really love this, and I might be. I might be alone on this, but uh, anyway, the uh, the point he made, and I'll read the, the description below it. He said, uh, pursue the holiness you hope for in others. Mm. Um, that hit, that kind of stings a little bit. I'm going to say that again. Pursue the holiness that you hope for in others. He And he describes this. He says, passionately, sacrificially, and deliberately persevere in pursuing Christ-like discipleship. When you're faced with betrayal or disappointment, it will require perseverance, supernatural perseverance. Learn, grow, forgive. There's that forgive, repent, and then repent some more. Fight the good fight. Urge each other on. Do not give up meeting together. Stay on the path of discipleship, knowing it will be rugged at times. Trust the good work God is doing in you and in other believers around you with uh, will ultimately be for the good of all who believe in him. I love the way he unpacks that because he hits on so many things in scripture. For example, fight the good fight of the, the matter of repentance, the matter of forgiveness, growth, and just how we should encourage each other in that. Um, we so easily turn our backs on each other. Uh, number one, but we, we, we take that hurt because of another and we equate that to the church did this to me. And that's, that's unfair to what believers are doing through, through the church and through Christ. It's really unfair to, to that, but that's what, that's what happens. And I just love his, 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 uh, opening remark there, pursue the holiness that you hope in for others. Cause I think sometimes I don't want to say, I don't want to call the people the Pharisees, but sometimes I think we, we sort of attack 
and 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 try to point out things just like the Pharisees did with Jesus multiple times throughout the gospels. I'm reading the gospels right now with my, my young ones because we, we homeschool, mm -hmm. but I, and I point out that so many times and reading, reading Matthew right now, that so many times as Jesus is walking, he's healing and he's, and he's just, he's with his disciples. The Pharisees almost seem to come out of the woodworks, uh, almost as if they're following him and, and pointing out, aha, it's the Sabbath you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, and then Jesus has his wonderful, uh, perfect remarks, uh, and, and or, or <laughs> rebuttals, if you will. And, and, and then gets them to thinking and all they can really do is just walk away at that point. Um, but so I, I love those, those in some ways make me giggle, but they, they remind me that sometimes that's where I think we are. We, 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 we pretend to be more holy than others by pointing out people's unholiness when we really need to remember where we're at and, and we're not perfect. And so I think that's a thing too. Don't we, don't we wish that we always were present of mind and had the perfect response like Jesus does. <laughs> Amen to that. I absolutely even close. Just a cl give me a close. Yeah. I can't, I can't, uh, can't respond like him, but yeah, he has the, the perfect responses and really and they're wise. Um, uh, and, because it's Jesus. And right, if, so. I could, if I could add one more thing there, I sure. think the, the other thing that was, is very important when we go through times when, when we're hurt in church and, and it happens is we have to be careful who we tell the story to. And mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times what happens is when we get into that gossip game and start telling as many people as we can, how this person hurt us, well, suddenly now this hurt is growing. And the disunity is growing. And I remember, um, I remember reading a, a book one time that said, every time you're telling your story of how you got hurt, just to get people on your side, you're really hurting yourself from being able to forgive them. Mm. So I think we got to be careful when we're hurt. Yeah, there's some people we need to talk to, but we don't need to tell everybody about the hurt. Yeah, it, it turns into gossip more or less, right? Absolutely. In, in a sense. Yeah, I, I told somebody the other day, so I'm in church leadership too, and and this will lead into what we're about to talk about, but I I, I definitely look at, well, just in quotes, the business of the church, completely different than I've ever have in my church life. Like I, I've been a, I'm been a deacon, I just recently came off of that of four years um, was on a pulpit committee. We go by different names, but we called it a pulpit committee because we, we needed a new pastor. If nobody knows what that means, it's a committee that yeah. seeks a, a new pastor for the church. And then I'm a, a youth director. So, and it's a small church, but still, and we, we run a homeschool program, an enrichment program there. So we, we've got a lot of different little things. And ever since I've been in leadership, I've just, because I've been privy to certain information that most people wouldn't, it, it's amazing. Like you said earlier, it's amazing the things that you hear um, and uh, always something new is coming up. So that kind of segues uh, into what we want to talk about next, which is you, you wrote a book. So I didn't mention this earlier. I should have on the top of the show, but you are also an author. So do you, is this the, do you have one book or do you have more than one book? I didn't... No, this, this, this is my only book, solo okay. book right now. Okay. And it is called The Cave, 
when ministry becomes misery. Um, I know it's on Amazon. Are there other places where people can find it? Well, Books and Million, Barnes and Noble, you're not going to find it at your local bookstore, but they could probably order it for you. Okay. And so I'm going to let you, you're the writer of this book. And so we're going to look at another layer of hurt in church. Okay. Now we've, we've, we've been talking about being hurt by the church. Again, we often think of uh, an individual being hurt and walking away from the church or their faith, Mm -hmm. but ministry's tough. (laughs) And uh, you've been in it, you said for 30? Years? 35 years 35 years and so you've, you've I'm sure you got a lot of stories what what's the essence of your your book and um please share some of those stories that you that you uh i think probably mentioned in the book yeah the, the book really came out of a personal experience in my life where i was pastoring a church in pennsylvania and the first five years um were amazing. The church tripled in size from 500 to 1500. And we had all kinds of plans, a vision plan, and really we're, we're putting things together. And, and suddenly, seemingly overnight, that the, the most influential lay person in the church, the guy who'd been my greatest cheerleader for the first five years, on a dime turned against me, um, turned against me hard, wanted the church back the way it was. And, um, and that started a lot of secret meetings and, and things that I, I would say were untruths. And, and it drove me into what I call a proverbial cave, that place where suddenly the thing I got the most joy out of in life, being a pastor, now became a misery. I had to make myself go in the office, make myself preach, make myself do these things all because of what was going on. And I'm not the first person to find the cave. Elijah in the Old Testament, one chapter, he's standing on Mount Carmel, calling down fire from God, great victory. The next chapter, he's in a cave going, God, just kill me. Uh, Because he had faced opposition as well. Joseph in the Old Testament, he found the cave in the form of a pit that ultimately turned into a prison. And, um, And so in this cave aspect, things became really, really difficult. Now, this individual, I I refer to him as a well-intentioned dragon, and that's not a unique term. Uh, Another guy wrote a great book by that title because I really believed his intentions he thought were good. He he thought he was trying to save the church, Uh, but his actions were very destructive. And this went on for quite some time, and I experienced fear. Fear turned into a self-pity paranoia where I pulled away from everybody. Even as the pastor, I pulled away from everybody. I didn't stand in the lobby anymore to greet people. I didn't make visits anymore. And then that led to a feeling of hopelessness and isolation. And uh, and when I was in that cave, um, I realized I hit a point where I needed help when I had my first panic attack. I had never had one before. And, and it scared me. And then God led me to a wonderful Christian counselor that could help me with my thinking. But that's also when I really brought my wife into the scenario and explained everything to her that I was feeling so that we could walk together through this. And, uh, and that's when I shared earlier, and we would pray every day that God would allow us to be more in love with him, more in love with each other, more in love with the local church. And, and, um, And so during that time, it was a time of great hurt, great pain. I ended up losing that ministry. 
and uh, ended up working in a state farm office for six months, wondering, will I even ever get back? Do I even want to get back in ministry? Do I want to put myself and my family through that again? Mm-hmm. And um, so the book that I wrote really is a book. I don't share how I was hurt. That wasn't important. I shared, here are the principles I learned. Here are steps that I took to help me get out of the cave. Here are things I learned along the way in hopes that others who are in the cave, and by the way, you don't have to be in ministry to experience the cave. Um, Any type of hurt and betrayal can send you there. But my my fear was this. I've seen so many pastors who wind up in the cave and then just get out of ministry forever. And I was tempted to do that. Uh, I remember the day that I went into McDonald's to get a cup of coffee and I envied the person working behind the counter, you know, because their job seemed better than my job at the time. Mm -hmm. And so the book was written really to help people that are in the cave and say, listen, the cave may be part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the end of your story. There still is joy in ministry outside the cave. And that's really what the whole book was written to do, was to encourage people who are in the cave, that doesn't have to be the end of your story. I love that. Yeah, you're right. Everybody, I mean, we we can all, I think like with the, uh, I think in some sense, the pandemic has sent a lot of people to the cave. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was in leadership at the time, I'm in a different department. But during that time, the beginning of the pandemic, until about the end of this this past year <clears throat> for about 10 years altogether I was a leader in this particular department and so I knew these people like the back of my hand because I most of them had always been there with me so I've had 10 years with them um in most of that in the office but then we we did we started work from home programs and then it went it expedited the work from home program once the pandemic hit right but I could tell even through zoom mm-hmm. Just, I could tell uh, that people were having a tough time. I'd had conversations with many of them, um, trying to encourage them. We actually uh, started a campaign in our in our in our department that would send um, encouraging uh, letters or emails, rather. But well, not really an email, but there was an electronic uh, a thing that we could send to team members. Um, so we utilized that program and sent stuff to people that were on the front line, like our nurses and doctors that were dealing with the pandemic at the beginning. Um, and then, you know, remember, remember in the beginning, a lot of them, they couldn't see their families or they right. spent many hours um, there on that, um, on those front lines. And, and, you know, I was, I came from the finance world, so we never saw that, right. that part. And, but we, we just felt for them and um, we wanted to en- encourage them. And so, that that's my thing. We talk about encouragement a lot in, in our podcast as part of one of the, the core principles, I, I guess you could say within the podcast. And so I, I just think that that's something that we need to do better um, in terms of how we encourage each other, because, you know, and, and with pastors, I know sometimes pastors, they have their groups, right? So sometimes They'll have a group that can meet weekly or monthly or whatever the case is. And that's a time for, for you all to encourage one another. Um, and again, if we step outside the walls of the church and we don't want to belong to the church, then we have, as a believer, we have less avenues with other believers 
to to uh, to seek encouragement um, through whatever hurt we have. Um, and I think that uh, I think your book it sounds really good. I think I want to get a copy of it. My my brother in law is a pastor, and I know he's talked about some of this, but he's also um, is another thing that I think about often with pastors, and that's burnout. Oh, yeah. um, because sometimes ministry can, can be daunting, um, you know, throughout the pandemic, what would you say has been one of the toughest parts of, yeah. of being a pastor? Oh, without question. I, I, it was without question, the toughest year and a half in, in I've had in 35 years of ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think, in fact, I read an article not long ago that said that 2021 was the year of resignation in ministry. More pastors mm. resigned in 2021 than any year previously. Wow. And it was it was almost like the perfect storm. Of course, you had shutdowns, you had low attendance, you had giving problems, all that factors in. Mm-hmm. But what I found, and a lot of my colleagues did too, is, and I'm sure you did as well, when it came to the whole cultural issues of the pandemic, there seemed to be two extreme sides. And, um, and those extreme sides were extreme. And so it didn't matter what decision you made in your church. Are we doing masks? Are we not doing masks? Are we social distancing? Are we whatever? Yeah. You had people on both sides that would get very upset with you. Uh, I, I would tell you, I, I got the nastiest letters in that year and a half than I've ever received in 35 years of ministry. Uh, from people because people took such extreme sides mm-hmm. and that weighs on a pastor, especially like in most churches where it's a solo pastor. He doesn't have a lot of staff to lean on, to encourage. He's there by himself. And when all you do is get that day after day, after day, after day, uh, it's tough. And that became very discouraging for a lot of pastors who finally just said, I've had enough. And so 2021, I think a lot of pastors went into the cave and a lot of them stayed there. Mm. Yeah. And from my experience in in leadership uh, with, with the church and during that time, there was, there was two groups, like you said, and I call them the fear knots and the love your neighbors. Yep. Um, That was the two basic groups, fear, not anything. So, you know, we're not going to wear the mask, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's my choice. Or love your neighbor, so you should love others by wearing the mask, um, regardless. But so yeah, they, that was very divisive, and I, I believe uh, Satan's all over that. Yeah. Um, because you know, just like our country, I think they said in the past election that we, by the results that we had, they they measure that we were pro- we were probably more div- uh, well, I'll say divisive, but uh, divided mm-hmm. uh, more so than than past elections. Um, yeah. There just yeah. seems to be this line in our country, and, right. it, and it's affecting the church. Uh, the other thing it did, Dave, is it, it didn't just divide us. It distracted us. And mm-hmm. what I saw was the church as a whole got distracted from their purpose. And, and when a church isn't fulfilling its purpose, a church is going to flounder horribly. And uh, when you get away from our purpose of, of making disciples, because we're so focused on social and cultural issues, we have problems. So I know here at E-Free, we really, uh, as leadership, really focused on we need to keep from being divided and we need to keep from being distracted. And those were our two goals 
going through the whole pandemic. And those are good goals. Yeah, we, yeah, our focus. Yeah, I agree. Our focus, because we, that was one thing that we, we kept trying to hit on in terms of, you know, we see the physical um, results of the pandemic, smaller numbers and such and such and the, the opinions and attitudes and all of that. But yeah, we've got to stay focused and keep Jesus uh, in front of us and the, the right. mission in front of us, because that's the main thing. Most churches have a mission statement. Mm-hmm. And so we need to, and that, and, and, you know, that's what we have mission statements for. And, yeah. and some people will say, well, that's just a business thing. No, if we're taking it from scripture, I think it's, we've got to keep it in front of us. That's right. What our focus and what our priorities are. And, and you're right. Those types of things will, will shift us, not just divide us, but get us out of focus. That's right. All right. Any, any final thoughts of vet Scott, this has yeah, been the, a good one. The only other thing I would say in regard to the book there, Davis, you know, I, the reason I wrote the book really came from second Corinthians chapter one that tells us that God comes alongside of us. He comforts us in our trials so we can comfort those who go through the same trial. Mm. And so I say in the book, this God doesn't comfort us to make us comfortable. He comforts us to make us comforters. And Mm. that's what I hope the book does. I hope God can use the book in the lives of individuals in ministry, not in ministry. They're in the cave to bring them comfort and understand there is life outside the cave. I love it. I I love the idea of the cave. We don't have time to talk about it today, but I'm just so curious about when you're in the cave it reminds me, and I'm not, this isn't a philosophy class. I'm not trying to go there, but it reminds me of Plato's idea of the mm-hmm. cave. When you're yeah. in that cave, you think you know what's going on. You're seeing right. these images projected on the wall yeah. and you think, you know, but it's, it can be a false. It can be a lie. Right. You got to right. get, you got to get out of that cave to help yourself mm-hmm. and to help others. I love exactly. your concept. That's really, really great. And I, I thought about that too, Yvette. That's funny. Cause I took, I was in college last year and I took a, a philosophical issues class and we were all over that. That So we talked about that, that, that the cave scenario did come up in my mind as well. Um, well, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Yvette, uh, uh, for, for hanging up uh, for all of us, just hanging out, um, and, and sharing hurts and, 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 and solutions, to this. Um, this has been a good one. And I think, again, this is important. And as we, and again, thinking about the podcast itself, the name of the podcast, Revitalized Kindness, we got to remember that as we are believers and we're in Christ, we're revitalized. We're a new creation. We should have new attitudes and positions in life. We can't get away from a biblical worldview, folks. And that's another thing that I want to take away. We need to stay in scripture. They stay prayed up. And like Scott said, we really need to come alongside. God done uh, gave a great example, and you you quoted that verse. But we we've got to learn from that, and we've got to do the same thing. We got to love with each other, and come alongside, and 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 we say revitalize kindness, but just in a sense, just just love, revitalize love, and point people to truth and the real hope of this world, Jesus Christ. And that's for us, that's what it's all about. And I know ultimately Scott as a pastor, you're pointing in that same direction and encouraging people in scripture and, um, and wanting people to come to Christ and, and to sharpen their relationship in, in Christ. So that's just, we got to stay engaged in that way, folks. Um, uh, 
So again, thank you, Scott. Thank you. Um, we, we love, uh, what you're doing. We love you brother in Christ. Um, and we just, uh, we're going to be praying for you. Um, we want to, me and vet are kind of making a prayer list. We're asking in our episodes too. If anybody has prayer requests, by the way, just, just reach out to us. Uh, you can go through revitalizedkindness.com, the website, or if you find us on Facebook, Revitalized Kindness business page, you can message us with a prayer. We'll keep them private, but we will take those to, to Jesus in, in, in prayer. So again, thank you so much and hope to see you or hear from you or hear from us on the next episode.